0: Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of Kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, that's rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is Preacher Tom Thomas of First Christian Church, Inverness, Florida. Tom Best I can remember, we met when I was in my early 20s, preaching for a small church in southwest Arkansas, and you were a student traveling with a camp team from Mid-South Christian College, and you were at Bradley Christian Service Camp. And that's when I remember meeting you and and, uh, working with you that week. Uh, More than a few decades have passed since then. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and it's a blessing for me to sit down with you today and have this conversation. So, Brother Tom... Tell us your story.
1: (laughs) I must tell. I was born in uh, Ohio with my parents, of course, being there.
0: (laughs) That's a good place for them to be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I lived there maybe not quite a year. We moved to Tampa, Florida. That's my first memories were in Tampa, Florida.
0: Really? I didn't know that. Now, when you were in Ohio. Where were you born in Ohio? Martinsbury, Ohio. Your father was the preacher there, if I remember that. That's odd that I remember you saying that when I met you all those years ago. Yeah, Martins yeah. Ferry. Along the Ohio River.
1: And then me ended up back there, being a minister, he moved some. And uh, we moved to Tampa, we were there for like eight or nine years, I can't remember. We used to in Illinois, in Kansas, Dodd City, Kansas, and back to Martins Ferry where I graduated right. high school. My goodness, now,
0: this was all with your father in ministry. Right. So when you came to Tampa, uh,
1: where, where were you at in Tampa? He started the, uh, West Shore Christian Church. Really? Uh, now it's combined with another church, and I think it's called New Beginnings. Okay. On Manhattan Boulevard.
0: So then from there you Same went. Location. Tell us some of the other places, because some of our listeners may. We moved to
1: after that Tampa. We moved to Fairfield, Illinois. Okay. We were there three years in uh, grade school, and then moved to Dodge City, Kansas, in my junior high years. And which church at Dodge City were you at? First, First Christian, Christian church. church, top of Boot Hill. Right. right. Been there. Good. Good church. It was right. a good, Good growing experience there because got to be able to ride horses and motorcycles and learn to drive a standard transmission and (laughs) a lot of good memories there, Dodge. Sure was. And then we moved back to Martin's Ferry where I graduated high school. Okay. And then went to Kentucky Christian College for two years. Mm -hmm. And while we were in Kentucky, Jim Bliffin and myself, he's my cousin, we wanted to join a, start a quartet. He didn't realize he could sing. (laughs) It's a funny story, you have to talk to him about that, but uh, he said he would, and so we got Tim Stapleton and Stuart Shepard. Well, James Taylor first, and James started with us, and he stopped, he dropped off, and other things come up, and so Stuart Shepard joined us, right? And so we traveled uh, all around that area, and uh, until Jack Bliffin, who was the president of Mid South Christian College, he asked us if we would come down and represent the college helped them grow the college down there.
0: So you actually moved to Mid-South College as a group?
1: Yes. Okay. The whole group did. And hold, did, you had a name for the group? Tribute. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So then we traveled all Southeast America with, with Tribute down to Mid-South. Right. And then uh, <clears throat> Tim and Stuart left the group, and we got Johnny Bliffin right. and Terry Anderson. Terry Anderson, he's our piano player.
0: Now, they were with you when I when I met you okay. at Bradley Camp near Star City, Arkansas. Yeah.
1: Right. Great bunch of guys. Every one of them. And uh, I, it's what amazes me that here, what, 40 years later, Yeah. Uh, every one of those guys are still solid in their faith. They're still in the ministry of some sort, missions or preaching or whatever right. type of ministry. You know, just it's amazing guys. And we've been close. We've gotten together a few times and had reunions and, and did things like that. But, just, just love those guys as brothers still. They have just been always close all those years, and, and all the same common bond of Christ. Well, I just
0: remember that that uh, the, the the high schoolers and maybe the junior highers, too just really enjoyed the group, and and I did too as a as a preacher with my kids there, and uh, you you represented the college very well, which. I might mention again, as I do from time to time, that we're associated, our ministry, Rock Solid, is associated with Mid-South Christian College. Okay. And uh, we work under their 501 and and uh, do several things with them throughout the years. Uh, so, anyway, go ahead. Well, so Bradley was our
1: favorite week of camp that year, for sure. Yeah. And we just had a great, great experience there. A lot There's of good
0: guys, a lot of good preachers that were there. A lot and, of good people. And uh, that's New back when, when preachers... Uh, they all went. Of course, in Arkansas, we didn't really have youth ministers right. uh, back in the 70s. Not very many churches, if any of them did. And I guess a couple of them may have. But but uh, so all the preachers went and spent uh, one to three weeks at, at camp. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat>
1: and, uh, that was the way to do it back then. <laughs> and
0: I really think we lost something sometimes, probably. I think so. That. I think
1: the kids lost something by the senior ministers not being there.
0: I do, too. I, I do, do, too. And I'm at fault with that, too. I got as time went on I got youth ministers and they started going and yeah. I, I might go and dean one week of camp but I didn't go spend as much time yeah. and, and I, I think we, we have lost something there. And possibly lost some of the service in Christian service camp. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so.
1: Yeah.
0: All right well that got off on that. Now okay. now let me back up a little bit. Did you always know you're gonna be a preacher? I did not. I
1: I I wanted to be a Christian like my dad. Right. Sorry. No, I, I understand. I had a great respect for him. He was a solid Christian. He was a minister, but he's a solid Christian. And those two don't always, always go hand in hand, do they? They don't. Not, not don't know what I've seen. Yeah, right. But what you saw in the pulpit, you saw at home. Dad was, he was genuine. Right. And I just wanted to be like him. I never thought I could be in the preaching ministry because I had a stutter. I didn't have a good diction.
0: <laughs> I never
1: would have thought that. Yeah. Never.
0: I... <laughs> the guy who sang
1: with a group. <laughs> well, singing was different. Like, like Mel Tillis, you could sing. Right. It, Mel, just, it was a time in the I didn't yeah. like speaking. I'd much rather be back in the back running the soundboard or something like that when I, was in, when I went into ministry. I went into ministry to be like an associate. That right. That was my goal. I didn't want to be a preaching minister. But I guess the Lord had different ideas. But my dad just set it such a, a genuine a high bar for me, as far as here's what you can be. And uh, he he brought me into his ministry as as a kid. He would, Tom, I'm talking with this couple. He would never tell me who they were. What would you be your advice, kind of thing? Or he says, I need you to come with me to this funeral, and and he'd make me sit and watch and, and how it went. He just so he was teaching me by his example, uh, and and. and He showed me how ministry is the people. It's sharing Jesus to the people. It's not about puffing yourself up. It's not about the event. It's just bringing the word to people and serving them. He just taught me. I guess that's old school. I don't know. But I don't see that much anymore, it seems like.
0: Well, I've discussed this with several people. And this is how they were brought into ministry. This is how... I was brought in, I, I grew up in denominationalism, spent a couple of summers with my grandparents when I was in my late teens while working for a particular company. And my grandfather would say, uh, Tommy, this, this, we're gonna go calling. And uh, I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know he was training me. And I even remember it, spending a couple of weeks as, as a young, as a preschooler or maybe a grade schooler and grandpa was saying, uh, go with me on this call and we go into a house, and I, I passed one now in Cork, Mississippi, and I still remember where that house was, and going in, and it was packed with people, and I didn't understand, but when he walked in, everyone got quiet, and Brother Fred began to talk, and then he would say, we're going to pray, and I realize now it was a funeral. It, it was, There's was grieving people, and but that's what we need to to be doing. uh, uh man, that I interviewed down in John Boutet down in Southeast Texas talks about that's how they trained the young men at their church in Orangefield. And yeah. in his interview he said they'd say, Come on boys, this is what church is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to get off on that for a minute because okay. you're just saying the very thing that I've that I've been hearing so much when I talk to men.
1: Hmm. So your dad that's that That's how I got interested in ministry per se. It's just just wanted to. I've always been a Christian. I got I was baptized at eight years old. I always wanted to do that. I can I can remember distinctly. Uh, it was between my sophomore and junior year, of high school. We were at a camp in Elkhorn Valley Christian Camp in, in Ohio, and uh, I, I remember distinctly where Dad's God became my God. I can remember because right. I always wanted to be like him. Because he was just so genuine, I wanted to be genuine. But uh, uh, I can remember exactly that point where, no, he's really real to me, and and that set me on the course to where I wanted to be in the ministry. Yeah. So, I went to college two years, Miss uh, Kentucky Christian College, two years, Mid South Christian College. We got out. and I, I met my future wife singing in the quartet in Alabama, and, and uh, she came. The following year, and uh, she was there maybe a month, and we decided I asked her out. Well, really, I didn't ask her out. It's funny because uh, we went to Mid South Fair in Memphis, and she was one group, and I was another group. We, went, we traveled separately, and we uh, ended up meeting uh, at the roller coaster. Yeah. And nobody wanted to go on the roller coaster except me and my group, uh, just me, and then only Lisa and her group. She liked roller coasters too. I said, "Well, come on, Lisa. I'll go with you." And so we went on that roller coaster, sat on the front row of that car. Oh, <laughs> been yeah. together ever since.
0: So, and where was she from in Alabama? She, I mean, uh,
1: Louisiana. In Alabama.
0: Oh, Alabama. Okay. She uh, she was born in
1: Tupelo, Mississippi, but she was living in Prattville, Alabama.
0: No, oh, right where that's at. Been to the church there. Uh, just going through to
1: worship. Yeah. 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 So we uh, has been a great, great ministry. God really blessed blessed me with her. She's been a vital part of my ministry. Uh, she's just opened so many doors for me in so many ways.
0: A wife will make or break your ministry. Yes, I agree. I've
1: seen that. Yeah,
0: I've seen. I'm, I'm always telling young men, think long and hard before you get pray, married. Pray about Cause it. Because I've I've seen so many uh, wives that don't want to stick out of ministry, yeah. or wives that just don't. Uh, they're just not supportive. Yeah. And it and it can take a a, a good man who has great potential to do uh, things for the kingdom. Uh, take him down the wrong road. Yeah, yeah. So we were together
1: one year there in the South, and we got married the following year. And I, my first ministry was in Newburn, Tennessee. Uh, there was a small church there. New Newburn's New east. It's northwest of Dyersburg, really north, I guess, of Dyersburg. I did not even know there was another church it's out there. It. It's not there now. No. Yeah. No, we. Uh, I was there. I was with that church a year and a half. And in that year and a half, I uh, was also a police chaplain, and uh, I should never have said their name, but uh, we had some difficulties there, and right. uh, just just some uh, it was in up being just differences of opinion, I guess you could say. And uh, they came to me and asked me to get a job because they couldn't afford to pay me anymore, and I was already the police chaplain of the city, and, and so I went to the police chief. So he got an opening, it's just amazing. We have a police officer just quit. Would you be interested in patrolmen? And, oh. uh, and so I became a patrol officer there. And I, I preached a little bit while I was there at Newburn, but it, is, it was falling apart. And I finally resigned the church and just became a pre- policeman. Well, th-
0: th- this story is not a new <clears throat> story. That we've, we've heard that so many times. Yeah. and, and uh, uh, But the amazing thing is you were a young man and you're still in ministry. You know, and mm-hmm. you were going through this difficult time. And I think that makes a difference on, on the calling of God in your heart.
1: Well, see, that's, that's the thing about, I, I've always been a Christian. I've always wanted to serve God. And, and I thought, well, ministry's not for me. I did not like that year and a half there. Right. But I still have friends from there, from yeah. that time. Uh, I, we, we contacted a lot. I met them a few years ago, some of them. But I thought, well, he the ministry's not for me. I'll just be a police officer and just be a witness there and be a Christian police officer. And uh, I had a great great time being a police officer because yeah. uh, <laughs> I associated with some of the not-so-nice people in town, but they respected me because I respected them. It was yeah. interesting because if anything went wrong downtown, I could go to one of these people and say, uh, what, what happened? And they would tell me. And they were just open to me. But they wouldn't be open to anybody else. <laughs> it was interesting, and I just showed you Christ's love could just it can tear down walls. That's right. amazing. So I learned probably more in the minute in the police work more there than I did in the ministry about human nature and how how to love people, how to show respect to people. I, I learned that there that job, and so I think God put me there <clears throat> for that reason. <clears throat> But anyway, one night, uh, we went to church in Dyersburg. We were going to church there then. And uh, uh, Ed White came through. And he, I didn't know who he was. And he was standing in the back. And I just said, why don't you come sit with us at church? And we sat and talked and visited. and We had mutual friends. and ended up learning he was in the ministry and all that stuff. And, and it was probably a couple, probably a month later, he called me. and said, you want to be my youth minister? I said, no. I tried that <laughs> once. I don't think I'm a youth minister. And uh, he said, no, you need to think about it. I said, no, I'm not a youth minister. And and the more he, he, we talked a little bit on the phone during that month. And, and I I told Lisa, well, you know, I always want to serve God. And maybe God's opened this door for us. I don't know. But I, I just don't think ministry is for me. And uh, I said, what we can do, though, and this is purely selfish on my part. Right. It was purely selfish on my part. I said, well, Lisa, what we could do, we go out there and try it out. I know they'll pay our gas. It'll help us finance our vacation. Because I And where was he at? He was in, in uh, Carthage, Missouri. Oh, okay. Out at Southwest Corner. Right. Near Joplin. And uh, I thought we could go out there and they'd help pay for a vacation for us. Because I was going to mm-hmm. go up and see one of my old college buddies from KCC. And stuff. And uh, that's the sole purpose I went there. Was to get that gas money. That's <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy. So I go in and meet with the elders there. And... Uh, Uh, they talked to me about being a youth minister, and I said, fellas, I'm not a youth minister. You know, I'm a police officer. I like being a police officer. And they kept talking that way, and and they said, we want you to be our youth minister. I said, but I'm not a youth minister. And they voted unanimously to bring me on. (laughs) And, uh, I said goodbye to Ed, and we left Carthage with no intentions of ever going back. I just didn't have a desire for it. And, uh, God worked on me through that vacation and got home and we got, Lisa and I talked, we prayed about it. And, and uh, I said, you know, I, what I can do, I said, maybe this is what God wants us to do. I don't know. But, uh, I know I graduated from, uh, the Tennessee law enforcement training Academy. Uh, it was, which, which was the third best Academy in the nation at the time. I graduated with a 99.2 grade point average. Wow. And, uh, I said, well, I know I can get a job anywhere. If it just doesn't work out, I can go someplace else. Right. And get up the police work. So we stepped out in faith and went to Carthage. It ended up being a, just a, a great ministry for us. We uh, we were there for, I think, five years. And uh, I went to the eldership, and I said, fellas, I'm killing the youth. I'm not a youth minister. I said, you need to, I'm going to have to move. You're going to change my job description. And they were wise enough to change my job description. And they turned me over to be an associate minister, minister of education. And uh, I stayed there four more years. Uh, so you nine years? Nine years. It's tremendous ministry. We had uh, such a great, we still have close, close, very very close friends from there today. But uh, they moved me over and they brought another youth minister in. And then I got to work with the senior adults and, and teach Wednesday night Bible study, which I thoroughly loved. I love that because I got a taste of it when I was a youth minister. That's when I decided I'm not a youth minister because they asked me to teach the adult Bible study. So I went in and did that. And I got such a great response. I thought, man, I love this because they actually gave me intelligent responses back. You know? Right. Which <laughs> kids don't normally talk much. <laughs> so this is where I need to be. And so that's when I went to the elders and they switched me over. Well, then uh, they had an interim minister there, Bob Leibel. Yeah. Bob, Bob was a. He was a tremendous man. And he still is. Uh, Bob moved to, is he the one who moved out to Colorado? No. He, no, he, no, he was. He, he went the St. Louis Christian College. He was hired on as the president and he was the president for St. Louis uh, Christian College for one month. <laughs> <laughs> and that's his story. I'll let him tell it, but he came back. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> uh they hired him as an interim. He was there before I was there, many years. He was there like 17 years before. And they asked him to come back to the interim until they could find somebody for the position. And the idea was for him to come in and groom me to take over in five years. <clears throat> well, in three years, he had some health issues. and He decided he's going to retire. He retired early. But one thing about Bob did for me, and uh, he was this amazing guy, he, uh, he made me preach every Sunday. We had two morning services and the evening service at the time. And I had to preach one of those services every Sunday. Wow. he made me preach. And so I was preaching 50 times a year. I had two weeks of vacation. So I was preaching 50 times a year. And so that helped me develop my skill of preaching and my confidence. And, uh, and I, I learned to like it a little bit better than what I did. <laughs> so then when he retired, they were going to hire another guy. And uh, they said they wanted somebody older. And I said, okay, that's fine. I understand because it was just no, I apparently wasn't ready in their mind. And uh, they hired a guy the same age as I was, and, and uh, Mike's a great guy. I love Mike. But we had two different philosophies of ministry. Right. So I stayed there two years until he could get established, and then I moved on. And I went to Decatur, Alabama. So you were mm-hmm. you were there 11 years? I was at Carthage nine
0: years. Nine, oh, okay, it was yeah. a total of nine years. Yeah. And so then you moved on from Carthage to... to
1: Decatur, Alabama. To Decatur, Yeah. right? And we had a tremendous ministry there. Uh, We were there seven years. And uh, we doubled the attendance. We had to have two services. We had chairs in the aisles. We were just, just had a great, great thing going on there. And uh, I I think the leadership felt they were losing control. Mm Mm-hmm. I've got to be real careful here. Uh,
0: I uh, I understand. I've been through this.
1: I think, uh, yeah. and I'm not. We had a tremendous ministry there. I see we, we were growing left and right, but it seemed like they were losing control. As I look back, and it just kind of like they knocked the wheels off the wagon. Yeah. It just came abruptly to the end. I mean, right. it was amazing how quick it came to an end. And uh, so the key piece, I was approached to start the church there, and I thought, no, I'm not going to do
0: that. I've been through that as well, and, and I didn't, no, I, I didn't do that either. Well,
1: about that same time, it was all falling apart. My uncle in, in West Liberty, Kentucky, Steve Liffin, he had cancer, mm-hmm. and he passed <laughs> away. And uh, that church contacted me if I would come up and just be their minister to help them heal. And Steve had been in there almost 30 years, long-term minister. It's hard to follow a guy who's been there 30 years. Right. But I went up with the intentions of, of trying to, uh, I resigned Decatur Caler, went to West Liberty. I was there five years. I told him I'd give him five years. And uh, my ministry there was more to just kind of heal, heal the people. Right. And so we, and we fell in love with them. It was probably one of our best ministries, too. Good,
0: good church. Now that one, that West Liberty that was destroyed by a tornado. Yes, the building well, one the Before that, I held a revival there, was uh, it? back yeah. probably oh, I was probably been fifteen, sixteen years ago, at, okay. at the beginning of this ministry. Um, minister, I can't remember his name right now, but he he had been in Jackson, Tennessee, and moved there. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, good church. Yeah. And you were
1: there five years. Five years, and then we had the opportunity to go down to. Uh, Baldwin, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where Lisa's family is all from, Mississippi, Tupelo. And right. Baldwin's just five miles, eight miles north right. of Tupelo. <clears throat> that gave us an opportunity to go down there too so she could be around her family some. And that was ended up being a godsend for our, our families, uh, mine and, and Lisa's families, because uh, my boys were all able to come into there and we were all together. Mm-hmm. And then Lisa's family, her dad ended up having a stroke Lisa was there, there to be able to take care of her. God works a, those things out. Yeah, he does. We had a right. su- super ministry there too. We we grew major. We set attendance records and offering records. We set all kind of records there, at Baldwin. And uh, uh just felt like it was time. The Lord was leading me away. And we were there six years, maybe six. Right. And so, I what on. what years would that have been? Do you can you recall? <clears throat> Let's see. We moved to. We moved to West Liberty '99, came back up down to Baldwin Baltimore '04, so it'd be '04 to 2010,
0: right? That's about the same time we moved about 30, 40 miles north of you there, but we we always intended to get together, and we yeah. we never had time because yeah. of our travels and yeah. and your busy schedule too. Yeah. So we
1: got together some. I could see in revivals, yeah, <laughs> there, yeah. but it was it was good. We had a good I like good ministry there, a tremendous yeah. ministry. And, uh, and it was time to leave. Uh, again, I, I think you get you get uh, personalities involved, and you get differences of opinions, and you get right. different uh, concepts of ministry per se. Uh, right. And, and so I saw where it was going, and I, I just resigned. And then we went up to Cassville, Missouri. And uh, Cassville was it. We had we have great friends there. Yep. Probably Castle was the only church I was a part of. It never grew. It just stayed status quo. But well, where is Castle? That's uh southeast of Carthage. It's in southeast okay. Missouri corner. Okay. And uh it's uh southwest of Springfield and southeast of Joplin. Yeah, southwest of, yeah. All right. Yeah down by Roy River State Park. And you were five? We were we were there. From almost seven years. Seven 2010 years. 2010 to 2017. My first Sunday here was January 1st, 2017.
0: Okay, so uh, it's a tough job to minister in Florida. Yeah. You know, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> uh, I only say that because I, I've seen your post in the middle of winter when I'm freezing yeah. somewhere and you're... Down here sitting in your shorts enjoying or mowing your yard. Yeah,
1: mow grass all year round. Yeah. But Ray Kelly, Dr. Dr. Kelly, he was a professor of mine in uh, Mid South. Yeah, I remember Ray. And he asked me if I would come down and help him retire. <laughs> right. So as he slowly retires, I take more on responsibility. <clears throat> and uh, This has been a great ministry. I, I've really loved being here. And the main reason is, and not this is going to sound really bad, but the main reason is is that we don't have, how do I say this to nicely? We don't have the mentality of an independent Christian church. All right. I understand that. And what I mean is churches you, you get involved with in the, in the independent Christian church. In fact, I was about ready to get out of it, honestly. Because it's, it's like they get their little niche, they get their comfort area, and that's where they want to sit. Right. I know what you're saying. You just can't get them to move sometimes. This churches I experienced. Now, the churches we we had, we all grew except for one. But then when it got so where we were growing, they would knock the wheels off and, okay, that's enough growth. We don't want to lose control. Right. Is that like a power issue? I don't know. I I, I don't don't know how you can reestablish. I've thought this over and over and over. To how we could restructure the idea of the way we do church and independent Christian churches. I don't, right. I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah,
0: I've thought that too, and then I keep going back to the Bible. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and, you know, if, if we all would follow the Bible, it all clear up. Right, and and I think if we just the only way to restructure is to re is to is to restructure the way we started to restructure was to go back to the New Testament. Yeah. Get our mental. And, aspect done. Right. That our purpose yeah. is to, is to reach the lost and disciple those. And our purpose is, our really, our purpose is to grow.
1: yeah
0: It is to grow it because is. Uh, it is to grow the kingdom.
1: Exactly.
0: And, and uh, if we're in a small town somewhere or, or we're out in a, in a cornfield where there's not a lot of people, then we grow the kingdom by reaching out through missions, more than we can do locally. But when we're in a local situation, and Tom, I've been through this myself, where um, we were just growing like crazy, and an elder came to me and said, we gotta get a handle on this. And I thought, okay, we're gonna get a handle on the Holy Spirit. We're baptizing people almost every night of the week. And you want to slow this down? What what do you wanna do here? We had discipleship group, people discipling, one-on-one, uh, so it wasn't just baptisms, it was people people working with people, uh, and they did finally get a handle on it in that particular location, and, and uh, uh, the church finally got down to about 10 people, and uh, they have a good minister, a good evangelist now, and they're, and that's been years and years ago, and those people are gone, and the church has uh, got more hope now, good. But, but you're right, the, I think our biggest problem is that we sometimes find people who are uh good businessmen and they're, they're fine Christian men but they don't meet the qualifications. We say, well, you don't you don't meet this particular qualification of an elder, uh but all the others you do. There is a reason for these qualifications. Exactly. And and it it's a mental not just a not just a physical thing, a mental thing and there are reasons. It's like someone saying, well, you didn't get baptized, but you met all the other qualifications for being a Christian. Well, there's a reason baptism is in there, you know, to uh, the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. That's when it all comes together. Or to say, well, you got baptized and you're living your life the same way you always did. You don't really want to repent, but you met all the other requirements. Same thing with an elder. Uh, and I'm not putting that in, I've had some tremendously good elders.
1: Me too. And who were were soul
0: winners, went out with me to win souls, and they were good guys. But you run into that situation like you have and I have, and it's not trying to be mean or unkind. It's just, uh, as I've told men sometimes who didn't like me saying it, they said, I've been asked to be an elder, and I would tell them, I don't think you should. And I would give them a reason, and I would say, It's not because I think it'll be harmful to the church. I think in some ways it might be, but it will be harmful to you as a person because you are not there yet where you need to be to serve as an elder. And uh, maybe we just need to get back to understanding that. Uh, Paul told Timothy to appoint elders as an evangelist. But even as an evangelist, sometimes I think we, uh, in one situation I was I was told to appoint? the people said, "All right, that's your job," and I agreed with it. I said, "But I need your opinion as well. I I don't need yeah. to just run roughshod here. I need your opinion because I don't know these people, the ins and out of them, like some of you do. Yeah. So I just took off on that quite a bit. Well, I was, but,
1: but, I, but I think that's that's the real problem in Pentecostal church. Right? It becomes a popularity vote instead of a like Bible says, full of spirit. You got to have some money. <laughs> Spiritually minded,
0: you know, to be a leadership. Well, we have, we have done what uh, for years. We used to uh, put down the Catholic Church and say, "Well, that, now they're organized after the Roman government. You can see the structure, and you can." But so many of our churches are organized after the American government, yeah. in the way that that is done, and that, uh, it, yeah, and it's not. The it's church not. is a theocracy, exactly, and uh, God governed through His Word. And and uh, it's not a it's not a democracy uh, it's uh, it's not a republic it is a theocracy yeah. and uh, you brought up a very good point um,
1: well this this has been a kind of a frustration of mine through the years and to the point where I was and my wife and I really seriously right. thought about just stepping out of the independent Christian Church movement and just finding a good Bible based church and right just do that way and, and just but. Ray got me here and that's what I was going to is that I love being here because the majority of our people are denominational people. Some people oh know but it's amazing they're hungry for the word. These people a lot of a lot of the denominational people come into the church they've never heard the stories of David. Right. How do you not hear the story of David? Well the church is not teaching the Bible they're teaching their church doctrine. Right. And, and so they're coming in, they're just hungering for the bible and so i finally am able to do what i wanted to be in the ministry for was teach the bible it's really exciting we, we are baptizing people and what's amazing to me that most of our baptisms are people 75 years or older right because they're hearing the gospel for the first time yeah and they've been in church their entire life i'm thinking what is wrong now we know what's wrong with our church or what's wrong with our nation Our churches are not teaching Scripture. They're teaching whatever they want to teach, social justice, whatever. That's what's got us
0: in the mess we're in. And I'm finding that a lot of our churches are doing the same thing that the denominations did. Uh, In the 70s, when I was starting out, we used to say, well, the mainline denominations have become social justice churches. And I'm afraid that... Now, the good news is that we believe in the autonomy of the local church. And so there are... Uh, the, the majority of our churches are still strong, still strong doctrine. They're still strong preaching the word, uh, but there are those that are going that direction, yes, social justice, and uh, and a lot of it is well. We think this is the way to grow a church, and it's it's nice. It, I, I've said this so often, and uh, and I hope nobody gets too upset when I say this, but but uh, any clown can build a circus, you know. <clears throat> But it it takes a a man of God who's going to preach the Word of God and not back down to to do the right thing. Uh, I used to say, you know, I was in new church work for a number of years, and Beth and I uh, got to where we almost dreaded when someone from the Christian church moved into town and and visited our church because we knew they were bringing in preconceived ideas, and they were not always Bible ideas. And that's not to say that the Church of Christ is not bible oriented but somewhere down the line people moved away from that and they and but i think that's the same across the board in all churches what has happened i agree and and moved away and that's why the restoration movement came along and and uh i've said for a long time god did it with Presbyterians years ago (laughs) he could do it with them again and and, and lead them into the word the right way and and uh so we need to get on on the ball and do it right well, you know,
1: I, I, I'm not against church growth seminars and things, but when I read Scripture, it is God who adds to the church. Right. And so I think he's probably the best one that would help us to grow a church is to buy this in his word. So I've always try to go back to Scripture. I always try to go back to Scripture. Show us how to, to teach, how to live, how to be. And so... I heard one of your podcasts you were asking what's wrong with our church today and and I've come to the conclusion for me as I've watched and seen is that we've lost the concept of being holy. And what I mean by holy is being set apart for God's purpose. Mm -hmm. When we're not holy we're not set apart for God's purpose we lose our mission. Yeah. And the churches are losing their missions. We forget that we're supposed to be going making disciples. Instead we come in we want this to be the way I want it. I want the music to be like I want it. I want the colors to be like I want it. I want everything to be like I want And it's not about us. It's about God. And so, we need to get back to the idea we're holy people, God's chosen people, a holy priesthood, which means to bridge between man and God, to bring them to God. We're supposed to be that. The people are holy people, priesthood. We forgot
0: that. God is... It's all about God, it's yeah. not all about us exactly uh not not everybody, not everybody gets a participation ribbon. Yeah. You know what I'm saying yeah, <laughs> you know uh God says it's this way, yeah. that's the way it needs to be that's right and and uh you're absolutely right, we've gotten away from that, and uh i'm I'm happy to hear that you've got people hungry for the word yes yeah, that it's are really coming here at first christian church and and uh uh it's a you've got a a beautiful facility yeah, here and, uh, and, well. and great location and and uh, this is our second time just to visit with you. We've not had an opportunity to be here and visit and worship because well we have online with you a few times yeah. and we've enjoyed that. But uh, hopefully one of these days we'll be coming through when we can make that make that stop I hope so. uh, going or coming or going need from a revival need to hear preach. Yeah, well we'd love to do that too yeah. and and uh, but it's. It's good to see a man that's been in ministry now. How many years for you?
1: Well, I was ordained in nineteen eighty. I had a, a weekend youth ministry when I was in college, so right, so seventy, fall seventy
0: six. It's so over forty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's great. So many, uh, so many people set on going to the ministry, and then they end up selling insurance, and for a lot of reasons that you've just discussed. Yeah. And I am glad that you. Uh, that God kept you focused wow. and moving the right direction and, and trained you and maybe trained you in the poli- as a police officer yeah. uh, for what was coming ahead well, in ministry you know I,
1: I've had a chance to teach Bible, preach at Bible colleges and, and to tell the kids I said don't go into ministry if you don't love God yeah if you don't love Jesus don't go in because that's the only thing you're going to have to hang on to at certain times yeah is that love for Christ and so you have to develop a relationship with love, Jesus. That has to be your fourth, in the forefront of your mind all the time because there's Satan's working. He's our best attender.
0: He's okay. working
1: to divide and working to destroy, and uh, he'll do whatever he can. If you're not hanging on to, to the promises of God, you, you're going to be lost.
0: What do you see as a greatest challenge for the church going forward? From mm-hmm. your viewpoint. Chris, the greatest from your experience. challenge.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the church has become too tolerant to sin. Amen. I really do. Yeah. We, we I, I don't know if we put degrees on sin or my gossip is not near as bad as someone killing somebody. But we, we, uh, we accept, accept it mm-hmm. too easily. And that needs to stop.
0: World world uh, has changed the church rather than the church changing the world.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We let the world come
0: in. I've been saying this in, in my Elijah series a lot this year uh, is that I cannot uh, imagine what the preacher in the local pulpit goes through now. I, I know uh, I've been doing this for 17 years, the traveling. And before that, there was a many time that Beth would meet me at the back door after I preached and say, you're just trying to get fired, aren't you? <laughs> And she would have been upset if I didn't preach it like that. But she knew that I preached something that we knew I was going to hear about. And people had no qualms of saying something. But now, now I'll go in and preach on a Sunday morning and somebody will get the idea, oh, this guy's going to preach the Bible. I better warn him that this sin or that sin's going on. He didn't want to preach on that in this church. Of course, once they warn me, then all of a sudden I, the Holy Spirit leads me that direction that week. Yeah. But... I cannot imagine what the local preacher is going through today with the changes that have happened in the last seventeen years uh just trying to preach and and seeing the same faces week after week and knowing what we know about our local congregation and and we we want them there as sinners we want them to be there uh because that's why we're here you know we we're, we're not here for the perfect people we're here mm-hmm. for people who need to hear the word, mm-hmm. but we also know that some of them are not going to like what they hear.
1: But you know, but also even with that though, if you say it in a loving way, yeah, and they know you love them, they'll hear you, yeah, they'll listen to you. But if you're just coming out and just bow breeding them, no, they're not going to pay attention right. to that. And I think I think we've done that too. And I think I've seen I've seen Christians it seems like they're angry Christians. They're they're just brow beating people out there. They want mm-hmm. them to be like them. I'm thinking, no, you got to love them. Christ loved people. <laughs> he brought them into him, and then he taught them.
0: We we went Beth and I went to a seminar one time and I, I was a, one of the many speakers at the seminar and a fellow got up and and he just let us have it uh, you know we have heard the preaching to the choir and these were church leaders and I mean he was just let brow beating us and I leaned over to Beth and I said why didn't he take a two before whack us all over the head one time we can go home early yeah, you know exactly. <laughs> you know and that's that's how people in, in the church would would feel and, and But if if they know you love them, if you have a relationship with them, and of course, some people who come in don't know you love them. They're just walking in looking and you've still got to preach the word. And and,
1: even with that approach, you can do it in a loving way.
0: Right, right. So uh, challenges to to, uh, preachers that you see uh, going forward. I know I'm just throwing these things out here at you, but challenges for preachers
1: going forward. It's going to be, it's going to get worse. For the church, yeah, I'm not a prophet, but I can see the writing on the wall. Uh, the socialism that's come into our country they're one of the f- major things they go after is religion, right they got to control the religious people because if not they can't control it
0: well, we're free in Christ, yeah exactly yeah and you can't you can't have that of that. freedom
1: that's right so they're going to come after the the church in that way right and
0: and uh ministers are going to be some of the first as we've yeah. as we 've seen there's <clears throat> one church in Canada's gone underground they're meeting yeah. in various locations they've been locked out of their church building the preacher has been arrested and they're meeting in various locations yeah. and uh, i always say who'd have thought we'd see that with our neighbor to the north but uh, i could say i have because i've been up there and and saw it coming and i see that our our country follows closely behind that yeah. socially in a lot of ways and yeah but uh, I'm not going to make plans on how to handle that. I'm going to make plans on, on how to live for Jesus today. Exactly. And and uh, when tomorrow comes, we'll have enough trouble tomorrow. Exactly. I'm just going to keep preaching the word. Exactly. And and uh, uh, like I say, I'll preach the word that they put me in prison, and I'll preach it to the prisoners. Exactly. And, uh, and that's
1: my, my prayer has been, Lord, not protect us, but make us faithful. Yes, sir. Keep yes, sir.
0: That's, that has been uh, my prayer for a number of years now is uh I would like to not see these things oh, happen. And and uh I, I do I do pray, you know, if if this could be changed then that would be a good thing. Sure. But my biggest prayer is for the church and for myself too. I'm gonna I'm gonna put me at the front of the line here is make me strong, make me faithful, make me true to what I've preached all of these years. Right. And and uh make me as strong as these Christians who have never preached in foreign lands, who have lost their heads, you know.
1: Seth, I think that's one of our problems too. Is, is the church is not we don't have a world view. We have American view. Right. If God's American. I'm sorry, he's not. We have to have a world view, and we see Christians all over this world are being persecuted for their faith just because they believe in Jesus. Their their lives are being taken from them. Their families are being taken. Their jobs. Their houses. Everything being taken from them. And we come along, we, we, we cry if, if we can't turn the lights on or get the air conditioning too cold. Right. And it's just, it's just crazy. We we have to have a world view. And if it's going to happen over there, it can happen here. Satan's not discerning in that area. He he just, he'll anybody he can out.
0: You know, there's a lot of times that we think, you know, I'm really ready to go home. And the older I get, the more I'm ready for what really home is. That's why we're uncomfortable here, because this isn't really home. But, uh and we, I, I look and you think about people getting, getting killed because of their faith, but I, I think about, and I wish and I apologize if this fellow's still alive and listening, <laughs> because I can't think of who it was, but I heard a well-known preacher a uh, number of years ago uh, speaking to preachers, and he said a lot of times, uh, he said it would be easy to go out in a blaze of glory it's like taking a thousand dollar bill and, and, and laying it on the counter and say, there you are, Lord, that's my life, take it all. And, and to be killed, but he said but it's a lot harder when God gives you back that thousand dollars in quarters and and, and says, uh, here, listen to the neighbor's kid complain about his problems and give a cup of water to an old man in a nursing home yeah. and, and uh, take the persecution day by day one one quarter at a time. Here's a quarter. There's a quarter. And not go out in blaze of glory, but live your life for Christ in a world that's gone nuts. Exactly. And I'm adding that part in there. In a world that's gone nuts, because it has. Yeah. And just live it every day for Christ. And be,
1: yeah,
0: be genuine that's like it. your dad. Yep. Be That'd genuine be like your dad. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I guess not. I don't know. Well, this has been a good conversation. It really has. And I... I appreciate this, you know, me calling you up here a couple of days ago or texting you or whatever it was I did and saying- Yeah, you had to pull me off the golf course. Oh no, my no, goodness, I, I do God. that. <laughs> uh, but we're coming through on our way to, to Tampa for revival and, and uh, I knew this would be a good opportunity to get another man. Well, and... I appreciate
1: you, your ministry.
0: Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I Thank pray you keep, keep going. Well, it, it, it's, uh, it's my calling. I, I knew that when I was 17. It just took me 29 years to start doing the traveling and doing this. Yeah. And God has blessed us with some wonderful churches and individuals that have kept us on the road all these years and uh, allowed us to do a free ministry. basically. Mm-hmm. That's true. uh but anyway, it's good to see you. Yeah, I, I you. think if you're if you're ready, maybe we'll get some lunch before That's I great. head to Tampa. And, and uh, to our listeners, we're we're happy you spent some time with us today. And If you found this helpful and you believe it would be helpful to a friend or co-worker in Christ, would you share this with them and and perhaps some of the other podcasts? And do visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.